Good morning. Uh, the scripture reading from today comes from 1 Corinthians 10:16 through 22. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices partners in the altar? What do I imply then? That food sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I implied that what pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and with the table of demons. Are we provoking the Lord to jealousy, or are we stronger than he? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Katie, for our scripture lesson this morning and reading that. And we have been uh, tremendously blessed today, as we are every Sunday, with the uh, music and the worship band. And you know, as I travel around and hear other churches, uh, I'm just a little bit proud of <laughs> what we do here. Because uh, uh, they do an awesome job, and uh, we're so be- we're so blessed in that. So appreciate them and. Now, as we turn to God's word and seek its meaning for our life today, let's just pause and ask for God's help in that with his Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I know that as we have been lifted by the music, I know that you have been blessed with an outpouring of praise to you. And we thank you, God, for your word that comes to us. It's always a light into our paths, and today, God, we, we seek its meaning for our life, and we know that's a work of your Holy Spirit within us, so may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing, acceptable. May your words shine light into our darkness, granting us hope, transforming us in the people you call us to be. We need you, God. So speak to us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before his death, Dr. James Kennedy, he was senior pastor at the Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Florida. And he attended a national convention of sociologists. And he came back and he said this to his congregation. He said, at a recent, at a recent national convention, sociologists came to an interesting conclusion that I think you will find fascinating. They said most of the problems, the troubles, the anxieties, and turmoil that plague our society today are due to a lack of communion. Now, remember, this is not a group of Christians. This is a group of secular sociologists gathering in a national convention, and they say that most of the turmoil, troubles, anxieties, and problems that plague our society are due to a lack of communion. Dr. Kennedy went on to say they didn't say communication because we have an abundance of that. In fact, there has never been more communication, and there's more communication in this generation than probably all the preceding generations combined. This is the age of communication. No, not a lack of communication, but rather a lack of communion. Communication is the transference of ideas and facts, but communion is something much deeper than that. It is the experience of shared values, of shared emotional feelings, of pursuing uh, the deepest purposes of our lives together. And I agree that with those sociologists that we have far too little of that going on in our world today. Um, 
There's a lack of communion within our homes, within our uh, places of work, within our schools, within our society, even within the church. And I agree that that's causing a lot, if not most, of the problems, the anxieties, and the divisions that we see going on in our world today. So the question is, how do we respond to that as God's people? I mean, we've seen it on full display the last couple of weeks in our television sets. How, how do we respond to this as God's people? Now, today is World Communion Sunday. It's a day that was set aside um, years ago as a way to get the divided Christian community to come together and to try to uh, have a greater sense of unity by experiencing the Lord's Supper, the Sacrament of Holy Communion together. It was an attempt to get Christian churches to focus more on what unites us, what we have in common with one another, instead of all the many things that divide us. Perhaps, perhaps if we could even symbolically gather around one table instead of the many tables that we tend to gather around, we could have a stronger impact, a greater witness to the divided world that we live in. So today, we follow that tradition. We join with Christians across this nation, across the world, who, regardless of their different theological persuasions or uh, geographical locations, they gather around a table like we do today, and they partake of the elements of this holy, sacred meal. People of all races, people of all classes, uh, uh, people with different hopes and dreams, uh, people of different theological perspectives and philosophies. You know, they're all gathering around a table to partake of the bread and of the cup and to be reminded of the hope that is manifested in this sacred meal. Uh, this is our way of proclaiming that the words that were just read to us in our scripture lesson are God's will for us, that it's God's vision for us as his people, that the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ, the blood that we, I mean, the bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? And because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of that one bread. How we need such a day as this in our world today, a, a time to remember that our Lord Jesus Christ died and suffered on our behalf. But not just on our behalf. He died and suffered for our neighbors as well, our neighbors across the street, our neighbors across this world. God so loved this world, begins those beautiful words that we love in the Gospel of John. God so loved the world. How we need to remember this. Because as we're all aware of, there is very little communion taking place in our society today. Even the uh, Secretary General of the United Nations says there is nothing more, there's more conflict, hostility, and open division in the world today than there has been at any other time in history. And I think what is true of the world that we see is also true of the church. And all you need to do is just drive down the street here and uh, you see all the different marquees and signs. And you got the, the uh, United Methodist Church sign. You got the Baptist Church sign. You got the Roman Catholic Church sign. You got the Episcopal, the Presbyterian, the, the Disciples, the AME, the Assemblies, the Church of Christ, the non-denominational, and on and on it goes. I mean, the signs tell the story that we are not a united people, even as Christians. 
And the difference between us as Christians and in the, even in the churches is probably nowhere more evident in this sacrament that we partake of today. I mean, you have some churches like the United Methodist Church that practices what we call open communion. That is, uh, we invite any and all who are seeking the grace of Jesus Christ to come and they're welcome at what we call the Lord's Table. Then you have other churches that practice what is often referred to as closed communion. Of course, they, wouldn't, they don't really like to uh, refer to it as that, but if, if you're not a member of their church or their denomination, then you don't get communion. They don't, they're not willing to serve it to you. Uh, you know, it, in some churches, communion is served every week. In others, it's rarely served at all. Uh, we in the United Methodist Church, we tend to have the tradition of serving at least once a month. The many Methodist churches serve it more than that. And then you have, you may be surprised to know that there are some Christian churches that never serve communion. They don't do it at all. And so many would argue that far from bringing us together, such an occasion as this only accentuates and underscores how far apart we are. The reality is that less than 50% of the Christian churches around the world will even celebrate World Communion Sunday. So rather than emphasizing a sense of unity among us, there are many who would argue this accomplishes just the opposite. Now they would argue that our differences prove that we are not the one body of Christ, rather we are the broken body of Christ. So why should we even do this? Why should we participate in World Communion Sunday? Well, my answer to that is this. This gives a message. It gives a message to the Christian community at large, and it gives a message to the world at large. That if there's anything that should and could and can unite us and bring us together, it is this, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Over the last several weeks, we've been studying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he lays out his vision for what our lives should look like as his disciples. Yet I, I don't think there's any doubt that when Jesus instituted this meal, uh, the Lord's Supper that we should do, this was part of his vision for us as his people, that we might respond to his love and that we might serve God together in a sense of unity. When you look at the world, when you watch the television sets like we've been watching here lately, is that even possible? in the world that we live in today. In our text for this morning, uh, it's clear that this is not a problem or a struggle that's unique to us. Uh, The fact is, this has been a struggle that's been going on since the beginning of the Christian church. If ever there was a church that was divided, it was the church at Corinth. And Paul points out that the reason that they're in such a mess is because they were practicing the values of the world instead of the values of the kingdom of God. Uh, instead of being transformed by the renewal of their minds and their hearts by God's Spirit, uh, they were being conformed to the values of the world. They were foolishly and vainly attempting to, to run the world and run the church solely with human efforts, human vision, human passions, human, human hands. So Paul asked them the question, are we stronger than he? You really think you can do this on your own? By your own efforts? By your own vision? He then goes on to contrast 
the ways of God with demonic practices. He says, I'm, I'm implying that what pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. You see, the word of God calls us to shift our focus to the holy hands of God. If we're ever going to experience a sense of unity and peace in this world. I mean, human effort, human hands are important, of course. But they can only be elevated to higher ground when we seek to have the vision and the heart of God as the basis of all that we do and all that we say. Listen to Jesus' vision for the church. He says, this is his prayer. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be one in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In um, June of 1991, Dr. Fred Craddock preached a sermon in which he spoke these words. He said, it has been said that there are two tables in any fellowship of believers. I thought that if there were not two tables, but one, that that one table would have to be the longest table in the world. I think that in the divided world that we live in, and even with the current controversy going on within our own denomination, I think deep down we all long for this. We long for that sense of communion, a greater sense of it, and for that one table. As the old hymn declares, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. We all long for this. But if this has become a reality, then it, it's going to take a constant, vigilant, intentional effort to strengthen those ties that bind us together and a willingness to love one another, to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. Because it's so easy, it's so easy to try to have two tables instead of one. You know, one of my fondest memories growing up were the Thanksgiving meals that we had each year at my grandparents' house. And uh, it was one of those Kodak moments for sure. You know, you have the entire family gathered in one room around one table. And, and uh, you know, as our family started to grow, um, we, we'd kind of bring in TV trays and we'd all kind of gather in that one room. But eventually, uh, you know, putting more leaves in the table and trying to make everything in that room just was getting harder and harder to do as our family began to expand. And so someone finally proposed that we have two tables instead of one, one for the adults and one for the children. And, while all the adults, you know, felt a lot more comfortable having the children out of the room, and we, we children probably felt more comfortable as well. As we ate, there was something that was missing. When we all were seated together around that one table as a family, you had shared laughter. You had uh, shared conversation. Uh, there, there were stories that were told. There were experiences that were shared that created memories that bound us together for a lifetime. When we gathered around that one table, there was just a sense of unity. Our family was complete. Something profoundly important was missing when we began to meet around two tables. I think Dr. Craddock was right. When we gather as a church or we gather as even a family, when we try to gather around two tables as opposed to one, you don't have that full portrait of who we are. The only way that you can have that 
is by making the table bigger, <laughs> adding the leaves, uh, making room for one another so that everybody can sit at the table and be seen and be heard and be loved. It is my conviction that nothing would please God more than that, to have his family gathered around one table instead of all the many tables that we tend to gather around tragically as a divided people. In fact, I am totally convinced that if Jesus were to come back on this earth today, that he would find some place where there was a big table and he would say, hey, come. There's bread here and there's a cup here. Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood that was shed for you. And there would be no litmus test for different church affiliations or different theological persuasions. Uh, there wouldn't be a distinction between the traditionalists and the progressives. There, there wouldn't be one table for Republicans, one table for Democrats and independents. There wouldn't be one table for Methodists and Roman Catholic and Episcopals and Presbyterians and all that kind of stuff. There would just be one table. And he would give the invitation for all to come together. God's family. At least that's how I see envision Jesus doing it. Of course, there are those today who would say that's just being naive. That, that could never really happen in the world that we live in today. Well, maybe, maybe it is just a um, an ideal that we are to aspire to. But you know, we as Christians insist that communion, in its purest sense, the biblical sense, is not just an ideal. At its depth, it's a reality that we can experience. To be sure, it won't come about by our puny efforts and our our purposes. It'll only come about when we turn to God and allow God to redeem us and allow God's Holy Spirit to be at work in and through us. Yet, we recognize there are those differences, you know. There just seem to be irreconcilable differences that we have with one another, within and without the church. And yet, we believe that this bread, this cup, has the power to transcend those differences. A body broken for us. Blood that was shed for us. This is the power that has, it has within it the power to bring us together. If anything can. I believe God's greatest hope is that there only be one table for all of his children to gather together as one. Is there any doubt that this is our greatest need in the world today? I mean, even a group of secular sociologists at a national convention realize this. The question is, do we realize it? This is why this meal is so important for us. Because it enables us to confess our brokenness. It enables us to recognize our brokenness, our brokenness in our relationship with God and with one another. As we eat from this bread and we drink from this cup, we recognize that we are all in need of God's grace. All of us have fallen short of God's grace. We're all sinners. We're on even one table together at that. And when we confess that, when we recognize it, when we repent of it, God forgives us. He redeems us. He makes us new. And then that's the only way that we can begin to really experience true communion. For we are enabled at that point to go forth into the world to share that love of God and that grace and that redeeming power, the forgiveness that God offers us. Only by coming to the table with our eyes fixed on Jesus 
Are we ever going to get to that point where we can hold hands with one another and we can see each other as brothers and sisters of Christ, as one body? Only when that happens can we truly experience communion. Because at that point, we begin to have the vision that, you know, there's room for everybody at God's table because it's the biggest table, the longest table in this world. Is this not a vision worth striving for? As C.S. Lewis said, he said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. So I invite you to accept the invitation that Jesus gives today for us to come together to the Lord's table, the one table that's been laid out for the human family, the Lord's table. It is my privilege to invite you this morning to the longest table on earth. The only hope that we really have for realizing the reality of unity among us, a common table. The songwriter John Oxenham expresses it best in that old hymn where he says, In Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. In Christ shall true hearts everywhere their high communion find. His service is the golden cord close binding humankind. May it be so. May it be so. In the name of Jesus.